Well, I uh, have a confession to make this evening, and that is um, I have a very active imagination. It's a, it's a very strong imagination. Um, I can read books, and I'm right there with the characters. I mean, I'm just I'm living and breathing with the characters. You know, but I take that imagination, and I bring it to the Word of God. Yet, I mean, the Word of God is incredible. I absolutely love it. But, I mean, imagine with me, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Joseph. Oh, I love the story of Joseph. Well, it's an incredible story, but it's also an insane story if you think about it. So imagine, and this is not too hard, I'm, I've got six older brothers. You're Joseph, and you have a dream one night, and you look, wake up the next day, and you look at your brothers and say, Hey, guys, just, just thought I'd let you know you're all going to bow down to me one day. Who is this punk? We, I'm older. I'm the old. No, Joseph. And so what happens? We go on through the story, and the, the, we, Joseph gets beat up, thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery, becomes a slave in a foreign land, can't speak the language, and gets sold into slavery there in Potiphar's house, is, is wrongfully accused, and then thrown into prison for years. And as he sits there in prison waiting, he helps some people out and says, hey, don't forget me. They forgot him. And so what should happen until one day he gets lifted up out of prison, and becomes the second most powerful person on the face of the planet. And then who should walk into his very throne room as he's dealing out the food there in Egypt but his brothers? Imagine with me, you're Joseph, and you see your, your brothers coming in the back door. Oh, this is going to be fun. Shh, 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 don't tell them. Don't, don't tell them. Shh, 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 don't. And then you look at your brothers and say, hey, guys. That, uh, that brother you thought was dead, you, you remember your baby brother Joseph? I'm him. I'm Joseph. Now imagine with me the look of terror on his brother's face. Uh, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. It was a joke, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. I mean, the word of God tells us that after Jacob's death, his brothers come to him and say, hey, Joseph, remember, daddy, he, he told you to be nice to us. Remember that, Joseph? You know, they're, they're terrified. You know, think about David and Goliath. You know, what an incredible story that is. You know, I imagine these two armies are set in array there, and David shows up and goes, who is this punk? Who, what, who is he? He should not be talking about our God that way. How dare he do that? No, Joseph, David, shh, shh, David, don't, don't. You're going to make him upset. Shh. Upset? Nothing. I'm taking his head off. You're crazy. You're insane. And so what happens? David, he takes off, he runs towards Goliath with flinging that stone, and Goliath looks down at him like, oh, come on, really? What? Seriously? And then the stone takes off, hits Goliath flat in the head, and he drops down dead. This is my favorite part in the whole story, though. David doesn't have a sword. So what does he do? He goes over, and I can imagine he grabs Goliath's sword, you know? He flings that thing down, cuts Goliath's head off grabs it by the hair, lifts it up, looks at the Philistine army, then turns around and goes, get them, boys. And they take off and they run. You know, I think about the disciples. Oh, the things the disciples got to see. Oh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. You know, feeding, the, and then they take up baskets of leftovers. Oh, they, they got to see Jesus walking on, 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 two, on the water. Oh, they got to see Jesus he could never go to a funeral. He was always ruining funerals for people, raising people back from the dead. 
You know, then, then you watch it. Then they, they, they think, this is the man. He's the one that's going to bring hope and peace back to Jerusalem. This is him. And then they watch him get crucified. Mocked and beaten by the soldiers. Nailed to the cross. And killed. Their hopes are dashed. They're broken hearted. And then three days later, the women come back from the tomb saying, he's not there. He's, he's not there. And then they run to the tomb to check it out. And then they get to see him again. And then they, they spend time with him. And what does he say right before he leaves? I, can, I love this one. I can really see this one in my head. Jesus is there. He's talking with his disciples. And he looks at him and says, hey, guys, my gospel, my death, burial, and resurrection I want you to take it to the entire world. Go tell everybody what I've done for them. Bye. And he just ascends back into heaven. And the word of God tells us that two men in white apparel showed up to the disciples and they asked him, why stand ye gazing? In my mind, I know why they're gazing. They just got this bomb dropped on them and they're watching Jesus ascend and conversation went something like this. Hey, John, did, did he just say the entire world? Uh-huh. He just said the entire world. Any idea how we're going to do that, Peter? Not a clue. There's a lot of people on this planet. I, 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 I know. I know. There's only like 11 of us left, man. What are we going to do? I don't know. I guess we got to start. You ever think about that, though? There's 8 billion people on this planet. That's a number I don't even understand. Like, you, you start getting into the millions and, and the hundreds of millions, and I'm just like, nope, lost, gone. But there's 8 billion people on this planet. That's just mind-boggling to me. How is it that we are supposed to get the gospel to the entire world? And I can remember that question rolling around in my mind, and I can remember coming to the book of Nehemiah. And you can turn there in your Bibles this evening. That's where we'll be is in the book of Nehemiah. I remember coming to the book of Nehemiah and having that question. and I just love the book of Nehemiah. It's an incredible book. It starts out in Nehemiah. He's a slave in a foreign land. He's serving a foreign king. And he begins to think about Jerusalem, his hometown. He begins to think and wonder, hey, Jerusalem's meant to be a shining light to the nations. Hey, Jerusalem's meant to be a place of honor and glory to God. But we disobeyed God and he punished us for it. And he hears about some guys who come back from Jerusalem and he asks them, asks them how Jerusalem's doing. And they look at him and go, oh, it's, it's not good, Nehemiah. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned. People are hurting. It's, it's not good, Nehemiah. And that breaks Nehemiah's heart. He becomes, becomes sad in the king's presence and the king notices this and asks him what's wrong. And then he tells the king and the king gives him permission. And he goes back and he begins to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he begins to rebuild, and people, they try and stop him, but he just, he keeps on going. And by the end of the book, we see that the walls are rebuilt and that there's a return to the Word of God. And, you know, I see in the life of Nehemiah a principle that, that is good for us as Bible believers to have, and that's a, a mind to work. A mind to work. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to work? You know, I, I open up in Nehemiah chapter number 1. Verses number 2 and 3, we read this. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah 
And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. You know, the first step to having a mind to work is having a mind to see the problem. A mind to see the need that exists around us. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to see the need? I can remember being in Argentina, and you know, that was the first step for my wife and I to, to go being led to Argentina, was we saw the problem in Argentina. We saw the need. And in Argentina, soccer is a massive deal. I mean, soccer's insane. They're crazy about it. They build the stadiums in such a way in, in Argentina that it, the, the, there's a fence running down the stands, and this group of fans, you come in this door and you leave this door. And this group of fans, you come in this door and you leave this door, and you never meet. Because if you meet, you'll kill each other. There was a stadium that they built wrong, and everybody came in and out the same door, and they had to shut it down because too many people were dying after games. I mean, they're crazy about soccer. They're, they're passionate about it. Well, back in the 80s, there was a player called Diego Maradona. Oh, Diego Maradona, world-famous soccer player. Argentines believe he's the best soccer player who's ever played the game. Well, during one of Diego's games, he scored a goal using his hand. And in soccer, that's a huge, no, no, you don't touch the ball with your hand. But he touched it, scored a goal, and got away with it. The point was left. It wasn't taken away. He wasn't fouled. He got away with it. The Argentine fans, they saw this, and they couldn't believe it. They just, what? He touched the ball with his hand. What? No way. What? what? He blinded the eyes of the refs. That's the, that's the only explanation. He's a god. He blinded their eyes. And so literally, in Argentina, there's a church called the Church of Maradona. They say to love Diego and the beauty of soccer above all else. They say to travel to the stadiums in which he played in and to pray and worship him there. They say to name your firstborn son Diego in his honor. And that's what some people place their faith and trust in for all of eternity. A soccer player. For all of eternity, they're placing their hope and trust in a soccer player who can't do anything for their sins. Back last November, Diego died. And based upon his life's testimony, woke up in hell. And sadly, that's a problem in Argentina. They're, they're trusting everything but Jesus, who they need to trust. I can remember that working in my heart. And this evening, I wonder, do you and I have a mind to see the problem? Do we have a mind to see that co-worker? who's in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we have a mind to see that friend at school? Do we have a mind to see that perhaps that family member who doesn't know Jesus? Perhaps it's a ministry in the church that needs an extra helper. I don't know this evening, but do you and I have a mind like Nehemiah to see the need, to see the problem that exists around us? But not only do we have a mind to see the problem, but this evening, do we have a mind to pray about the problem? A mind to pray about the problem. In Nehemiah chapter number 1, verse number 4, it says this, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, throughout the book of Nehemiah, we see Nehemiah, he is a man of prayer. Here in chapter number 1, he goes on, and the rest of the chapter is just poured out his heart to God in prayer. In chapter number 2, we see him, as he's in the presence of the king, he prays, for wisdom from God. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to pray for that lost friend? A mind to pray for that lost co-worker? 
You know, that was the second step for my wife and I as we began to pray about what we could do about the problem in Argentina. I can remember being there in Argentina, and one day we were driving around, Brother Patrick and I, we were driving around the city, and we were talking about the need for Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. And I looked at him and said, man, there's just a real lack of Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches here, isn't there? He said, yes, there is, Robert. What are you going to do about that? Oh, okay. And I can remember that question being tossed in my lap, and I remember praying about that question. I remember asking God, what, what could I do about this problem, Lord? Well, what would you have me to do? I wonder this evening, do we have a mind to pray? Do we have a mind to pray for our missionaries? Do we have a mind to pray for our pastors? Do we have a mind to pray for the ministries of our church? Do we have a mind to pray for our co-workers? That they would come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to pray? But not only do we have a mind to see the problem and a mind to pray about the problem, but do we have a mind to find our part? A mind to find our part. In Nehemiah chapter number 4, verse number 6, we see something that I absolutely love. I absolutely love it. And I credit this church for t- turning me on to this verse because this was the first place I noticed this verse was here at this church. And it says, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Wait a minute. What? We, the people. Wasn't it Nehemiah that had a mind to see the problem? Wasn't it Nehemiah that had a mind to pray about it? But now it's we, the people? How did that happen? Well, I can imagine as Nehemiah shows back up in Jerusalem and he begins to move rubble around and people begin to see this and they look at Nehemiah like, what, what are you doing, Nehemiah? And he's like, I'm rebuilding the walls. I want to restore, help restore Jerusalem to, to the place of honor and glory for God. I've I, I got to do this. And I can imagine people, they began to help him. And what happens was they began to help him. In chapter number three, verses number two, it says this. And next to him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zechar, the son of Emer. But the fish gate did the sons of Hanasseh build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. What's going on here is that as Nehemiah, he begins to rebuild, and people, they come gather around him, and he, I can imagine he kind of looks around like, wait a minute. We're all working in the same area. You know, no, no, no. You guys, you guys go over there and you work on that part of the wall. And, and you guys, you go over there and work on that part of the wall. And you guys, you stay right here with me and we'll work here. And, you know, we'll be working on different parts of the wall, but we'll all be working towards the same goal. You know, that's how we get the world reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? When, I, when my family and I were in Argentina, you know what that means? It means we're not going to be in Akron, Ohio. You know, we, we, I can't, unfortunately, I haven't learned uh, cloning yet. I'm working on it. I'm close, but I haven't gotten there yet, so I can't believe in two places at once. But you know what? I'm not going to be here in Akron, Ohio. I'm not going to meet the people that you're going to meet. I'm going to meet people that you're not going to meet. But you know what? If we each work where we're at, we'll see people get saved. I wonder this evening, you and I have a mind to find our part, to find where God has us in his mission. And what is his mission? Well, Jesus Christ told us himself that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The salvation of man. That's what is of utmost importance to God. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to find our part? You know, the Lord has shown me and my wife that our part is to go to the country of Argentina. It's to go there and to see the lost evangelized. To see people saved. To see them brought together in local New Testament Bible-believing Baptist churches. To disciple them in the word of God. 
and to train national pastors so those churches can survive long after we're gone. You know, that's our part. You know, and God has a part for you. Maybe your part's to go. Maybe God would call someone here this evening to the mission field. Maybe someone here could be sent here into the foreign mission field. Maybe that's your part. Maybe God's calling you to go. Maybe God's calling you to go across the cubicle at work. Maybe he's calling you to go across the street to your neighbor. Maybe he's calling you to go and pick up the phone and call that family member up and say, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Maybe he's calling you to go. Maybe he's calling you to pray. Maybe you can be a prayer warrior for your missionaries, your, pre- your pastors, and your church, and you can pray for the lost. You can pray that people would respond in obedience to the word of God. Maybe that's your part. Maybe your part's to pray. Maybe you've been blessed and you can give to the work of the Lord. You can give to, to the church. You can give to the missions. You can give. Maybe that's your part. I don't know what your part is, but I know that you have one. I know that you have a brick to lay in the work of the Lord. I know that as we work together, as you work here in Akron, Ohio, and I work in Argentina, we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I love to think about missions as a partnership. You know, as you, people, churches partner with us as we go to Argentina. But you know what? We're partnering with those churches. They're my, not only am I their representative in Argentina, but they're my representative in their city. They're my representative in Iowa. They're my representative in Ohio. They're my representative in South Carolina. Because that's what it is. We all work together. I wonder this evening, you and I have a mind to find our part. A mind to find our part. But not only do we have a mind to find our part, but do we have a mind to persevere in our part? When the going gets tough, do we have a mind to keep going? In Nehemiah chapter number 4, verse number 8, we see this as Nehemiah is there. He's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah 8, it says this, it says, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. There's these people there named Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom. And these guys, they're like the governors of the area. They're in control and they like it. Anybody ever meet someone like that? They're like, they're in charge and they're letting you know it and that's it. That's these guys. These guys are in control. And they look at, at Nehemiah like, whoa, 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 Nehemiah. You're seeking the welfare of Israel? No, 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 no. We will not let you do this. And they're like, we're going to get the armies and we're going to come and we're going to fight against you. And we're going to fight you and we're going to make you stop. What does Nehemiah do? In verse number 17, it says this. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, with those that laid it every one with one of his hands, wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. He looks at him and says, oh, guys, we can't stop. We have to keep building. You're going to have a sword in one hand, and you're going to have a shovel in the other. We're going to keep working for the Lord. We're not going to let these guys stop us. And if they do come and fight against us, we're going to fight them off. We've got to keep working. We can't let them stop us. And their plans are foiled. Well, you know, do they just leave? Well, that's not very much like the enemy, is it? They come again. In Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse number 2, it says this. That Sanballat and Gershom sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent them messengers, messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Willest I leave it and come down to you? They're like, hey, Nehemiah, let's have a cup of coffee together. Let's get to know each other. And Nehemiah's like, oh, no, 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 no. I know you. No, 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 no. I know you're hiding the knife in your cloak. Don't even, no, I will turn around and you'll stab me in the back. Nope, not falling for it, boys. 
You know, do we have a mind like that to persevere, to keep going when things get hard? You know, because truth be told, I, I hear voices in my head. Again, more, probably more information than you need to know, but it's true. I, I've got this one voice in particular. He's very loud. He's very persistent. He's constantly saying things like, ah, oh, come on, Robert. Preaching the Bible doesn't do any good anymore. Nobody wants to go to church. Oh, come on. Why are you still giving out tracts? Nobody wants to hear about the, oh, come on, just stop. Just, oh, you think you're smart enough to learn Spanish. I, you and I both know. We both know, Robert. You know, and I don't know if the voice of Satan speaks lies into anybody else's life, but I, I know he's real in mine, and I know he's constantly trying to discourage me. He's trying, to con- try, con- constantly to get me to stop working for the Lord. You know, it's just like Satan. He'll come into your life, and he'll say, oh, come on. No one notices you. No one knows what you're doing. Just, just stop. No one cares. Why would you try and invite people to church? That doesn't matter. You know, but we have, to, we have to kick Satan to the side and say, get out of here, take your lies, and take a hike. Because we need to work for the Lord. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to persevere, to keep going when discouragement sets in, to keep going when hard times come? You know, I'm sure this last year and a half has brought hard times for many of us in this room. You know, I've never seen anything like this. But you know what? Do we have a mind to keep going to church even when it's hard? Do we have a mind to keep doing what we know is right even when the world screams at us that it's not? Do we have a mind to keep going, to keep persevering for the Lord? Because you know what? When we have a mind to see the problem, to see the lost around us, a, a mind to pray for them, a mind to find our part in witnessing to them and inviting them to church, and a mind to persevere, to keep going when they reject it, when they keep, to keep inviting them when they don't come, to keep inviting them when they don't show up, we get to see something absolutely incredible. In Nehemiah 8.8, 8, I absolutely love this. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 8. He says this. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. You know what's going on here? They're having a preaching service. As they rebuild the city of Jerusalem, as they rebuild it, they come across the word of God and they bring it to Ezra and Nehemiah and they begin to have a preaching service. They begin to preach the word of God. And isn't this what was really in Nehemiah's heart? He wanted Jerusalem to return to a place of honor and glory to God. He wanted Jerusalem to once again... Worship the Lord. You know, this is what we get to see happen when we have a mind to work. When we have a mind to see that lost co-worker. We have a mind to pray for them. A mind to, to invite them to come to church. And a mind to persevere even when they reject the gospel. We get to see people turn from their sin and turn to God in obedience. And turn to the word of God. You know, this is what the answer is. You know, the people of Argentina are looking for answers. They're looking for answers in, in the new political system. They're, they're looking for answers in their money. They're, they're looking for answers in better health care and better education. But sadly, those things will never find them the answers they're looking for. It's only in the Word of God. This is the only place that we can find the answers for all of life's problems. And what an opportunity they, that you and I have to give it out. Well, we get to hold the Word of God. We get to know God. We get to give people the word of God and see them turn from a life of sin and turn in obedience to Jesus Christ. I wonder this evening, do you and I have a mind to work, to see our lost family members reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
to keep going time in and time again to witness to them and invite them to come? Do we have a mind to work this evening for the Lord, to see the problem, to see the need that exists, to pray about that need, to pray for them? Do we have a mind to pray? Do we have a mind to find our part, to find where God would have us to do? You know, if we all have that mind to find our part, we'll accomplish so much more for the kingdom of God. And do we have a mind to persevere, to keep going when we don't see results, to keep going when you say the word in Spanish a hundred times and they look at you and go, no, that's not right. And, I'm, and you're like, no, it, okay. I, I'm telling you, I'm saying it right. No, you're not, Okay. But you know what? I have to persevere through that if I want to be able to preach the gospel to the Argentine people. Do we have a mind to keep going when that happens? And do we have a mind to see people saved? Do we have a mind to work this evening? Let us pray. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, you have been so good to us. You have been so faithful to us, Lord. Lord, I just pray now that we would be obedient